Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Honestly Speaking podcast. We got Farb and Ed today. If you like the podcast, remember to subscribe, write a review, share with a friend, help us grow. Today in the booth, we've got Courtney Kernigy, the host of the Privy Podcast. Today's topics include Kanye's run for president, uh, Jada, Will, and their entanglements, Ghislaine and the Epstein case, and also we got to talk about Nick Cannon and Farrakhan. So listen up. Courtney's with us in the book. Second podcast. Hello. That's your everyone. Us. Hello, honestly speaking, listeners. I am back. I am excited. <laughs> we have a list of things to discuss. Go to it, Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. By the way, all three that. of us are just bunkered up as hell right now. <laughs> oh, so bunkered up with the nice little drink. It's it's nice because we're doing a little bit late in the day for this one. To, to accommodate scheduling, but it, but it's good because it's good because if we had done it this morning, we would have missed some things, especially the Chappelle thing. But just to kick off, Kanye, Kanye announced he was running for 2020. He'd been talking about 2024 for months, but he's but now he's rushing the date to join this election. And he did a campaign speech. Is that what that was? And it was in South Carolina, a rally, I believe. Yeah, a campaign it was rally. A rally. Yes, in South Carolina. And, and I just want to just yeah. jump in real quick and say, you know, we sometimes try to avoid Kanye and some of these, these topics, but, you know, Court's a friend of ours, a friend of the pod. He's also the co-owner of Stereotype Studio, which is our studio. And if you all right, remember, <clears throat> listen, he was, uh, he was on with us early on and we had a fiery pod just bringing the heat on all sorts of pop topics. And he was throwing some at us and we're like, ah, I don't know if we want to get into it, but... There's a lot of pop topics from this past week, and they're all kind of clown, but they have deeper meanings, and we got to hit into it. And even with Kanye, he went on some crazy shit, but there's deeper context to it. So, Court, how are you feeling about this? Um, so, I respect that you guys try to stay away from, especially Kanye, because I think Kanye, while I will respect any maybe mental illness that he may have, he does clown shit similar to the man that lives at the White House. So I think that it is problematic for media or anyone to pick up those stories. Like even for him running for president prior to him even filing his paperwork, I just don't think should have been a headline during this time. But like last night he went on a tweet rampage. And I mean, I just think the issue is that there's two things. One, it is a mental illness, and we should respect that. The second mm -hmm. thing is, I think people put, and this is something that I love about the episode you guys did with Genesis a couple of episodes back, but we as people in our society put people on pedestals. We have put Kanye West on this pedestal, and he kind of feels like he's untouchable. And like, I was disappointed that people were even at the rally to begin with. Like, who is going to a Kanye West presidential rally? Like, and I was so offended. And I didn't follow it. I thought it was kind of a joke. And I was like, whatever. And then all the press came out um, with the girl who he like verbally just got into this spat with. He was so disrespectful. A young Black woman who was like trying to talk about the topics. And he just went off he went crazy and i just think that he's just disrespectful and we need to not necessarily cancel him but we need to really stop giving him opportunity to be kanye and just tune that shit out yeah i i just I, I would say the thing that i was the most disappointed on in the week was chance jumping on twitter and and, and pulling the whole i'm just asking questions <laughs> i'm just asking questions is the biggest horseshit to i believe certain things and I just don't want to actually say it. Like, this is like the type of shit that like, there was, I think John Oliver, someone did something, oh, John Oliver just did an amazing conspiracy theory piece that, shout out John Oliver, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. He, he kicks it off as a shout out to everyone's dipshit uncle with a conspiracy theory. But like, Trump, <laughs> al Trump always throws the like, I'm just asking questions, right? When he wants to say like, something's terrible, right? After. And it was just so weird to me that like Chance, and not that like everything he said was like bad, right? And he's certainly doing good things in Chicago, but it's like, man, you're supposed to be like this man of the people. And once again, this goes back into the hero things. This is why hero worshiping is problematic. You know, Chance has done some really great things with Chicago public schools. You know, he has this, this nonprofit social works that from everything I've heard, 
does really good work. But then he, here he is like, you know, out here once again saying, well, is it worse for Kanye to be running than like for Biden to win and, and starting to have these like parallel. And by the oh way, people, people, people can have their own feelings, but like, you know, are we really back to like each candidate's the same? I mean, I've always seen elections as, I think politics is bullshit either way. All parties, I think all people have skeletons in their closet. I think all people have done things. The political game is fucked up, basically. And so I think elections are always the lesser of two evils. So like, I, I always love to hear people spar on like candidates and it's just funny how people get so personal and they make it like like back when hillary was running like i saw her documentary and i was so like floored at how amazing i think she was an amazing candidate she wasn't that passionate and she got my vote but she she didn't have my like i'm so glad you watched that doc i tried getting eddie and and jim to watch it oh i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch let me just let me just go on record while i'm here right now anyone who hasn't watched it please watch it because I used to see her doing her press and I was always like, "Mm, she just don't have it. Like she just, because I think people were trying to compare her to someone like an Obama, which who is great and charismatic and she's just not charismatic. But if you look at her record, her resume, I will say this on the record. I think Hillary Clinton probably was one of the most qualified candidates ever in history. Like she worked on the the, um, impeachment trials with was it Nixon? Yeah, Nixon. Like she was just, she's been so involved and like, it just sucks that she wasn't our first female president, but whatever. I, I digress. Continue. <laughs> I don't want to get off on a tangent. But so the, uh, no, I mean, I, everyone look, watch it, make your own opinion. I, I think the one thing I walked away from it being was, wow, like you can still, you can watch it and still not like it. Her, you can, you can be angry about it for super predators. You can you say she was complicit with Bill. You can say whatever you want, but I don't, I can't imagine you could watch it and still not feel that the world was incredibly sexist to her her entire time. And anyone else, and a man who had done the thing she had done, it would have been unbelievable. She when just you, was shit on the entire time, even when she wasn't like an anyone, even going back to high school. Yes. Uh, like, how, like she, to your point, to add on to what you just said, she and me, I include myself in this. Like, my judgment on her not being charismatic was kind of sexist, too, even with me. Um, and it's, like, unconscious because, like you said, she's been going through it since she was in high school. And we just put her on this pedestal and the way the press came out before the election and that affected her votes and, like, just all this stuff. Meanwhile, Trump had press come out a week before hers and it, it, it's just crazy. Like, it's a crazy world right. we live in, but... I mean, whatever. The same, the people whose hair is, you know, head's going to explode the second they hear Hillary are the same people who are going to wear Trump shorts. So, you know, exactly. <laughs> like, I, 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 I can only care so much. Exactly. Finalize, closing out Kanye, though, like, look, I, I saw some video just now on Twitter. Chappelle flew there and everyone on Twitter is like, well, not everyone, but, you know, people looking for retweets is like, get yourself a friend like Chappelle who doesn't give up on you. I mean, I guess, but like one, like fuck all the Twitter people who just want to write something that knows going to be buzzy and retweeted. Like at the end of the day, Kanye's, <laughs> I, I feel incredibly, there's one part I feel incredibly sad, as you said, because he's clearly mentally disturbed. And on the other side, I'm kind of just like, who gives a shit at this point? He, exactly. he it, Just because he's mentally, being mentally disturbed doesn't mean that that also makes you just believe dumb shit. <laughs> like. Exactly. You know, so he continuously wants to just drum up all these different things. He always does it around a new album. And like, I I've loved a lot of his music. I think he has been a creative genius, but like, we don't have to, people yeah. are like flawed people and like- People are flawed, but I, I am one person, um, not to cut you off, but I am one person. I, I can cancel somebody within myself. Like I just don't support Kanye music just cause I'm not going to support anything that he does. If he comes on, <laughs> I'm skipping it. I'm just not about that life. I'm not with the people who, separate the culture from the, nah, like the R Who's from the Who's actually show? been canceled though? Who's been like legit? Nobody, I guess, because y'all be playing around. Like, I don't know. Cause Weinstein. Not, Weinstein got canceled. Well, oh, but that's not that's getting canceled. That's getting arrested and going to jail. That's that's totally different. Like Cosby, you can't say Cosby got canceled. He got, like, and being killed or, or. Yeah, yeah. Or, exactly. yeah. I'm, I'm talking about legit, like Twitter mob coming for you and now your career has changed. Like there's, uh, like uh, who on the real? Megan Kelly. Like, well, uh, like, 
All, all this weekend, Ellen apparently came, it came out that Ellen's a shitty boss and an asshole. Oh, oh big that, surprise. Oh, that's been rumblings forever. And like, oh, really? I kind of, yeah. Um, in the gay community, we have attacked her a couple of times. Okay. I, Why? Because she just be doing clownery shit. Like, like I remember when the Kevin Hart, there are two things that I can, like, one of them, which I'm like, oh, yeah, you kind of a clown for that. Um, The whole, I actually did an episode on the Privy podcast about that, which is my podcast about the things uh, with Kevin Hart, right? And so, like, for me, say whatever you want to. I have canceled Kevin Hart. I don't want to hear about him. He's not on any of my stuff. I No, I wouldn't even look at a documentary. I tried because I was like, mm, let me hear him out. Nope, don't care. All the things that came <laughs> out about him, like, he would beat the, the guy, his son, and, like, all this stuff. And his response right. to it, like, I am very forgiving of people. Celebrities are human. That's fine. I am mm. always looking at how they apologize, their initial reaction. You, you, he was trying to fight from arguing because he had already addressed it. No, you hurt people by saying that. Like, people are killed, like, gays specifically are killed and, and bullied, whatever. Besides the point, Ellen um, brought him on the show and kind of kind of mm. gave light to him. And so she was kind of clownery with that. Then people attacked her for being at the tennis match with um, Bush or, or whatever. Yeah. And I like I like be, be friends with whoever. Like I mentioned to you guys earlier before we started recording, like someone who was very close to me, like in my family, voted for Trump, and we were just discussing that. So I don't think that she needs to be like, no, I'm not fucking with you. And that's the the world we live in because people will attack you on anything if you're in a public figure. Um, but I I just don't really rock with her. She's she I, like whatever. She, and she, apparently she's a bad uh, employer, so whatever. Right. Yeah, it's like the least shocking thing that like a super successful person's gonna right, a, right. have targets yeah. for, her, but also like potentially be an asshole. We, we it's, yeah. it's like a trait that goes with success. I mean, I'm not saying that's a yeah. good thing, but like you no, kind of have to. Sure. It's kind of how it works. I, I did see some shit where like some of the writers on her team were saying some dumb stuff to the black employees, like. I don't, I don't have it up. It was like kind of off the cuff, but I think like one was like, oh, your hair is just like the other one. Or like made some other little thing like, oh, we only allow like one black person to come to the party. Yikes, yikes. Yeah. Well, but, but, I, and it was a and, joke. <laughs> so I gotta, funny. Right, let me just, I gotta just say about the whole like <laughs> company, everybody who's, right, because this whole, this whole moment, every company has been having its own reckoning and- Yo, Ed, you're um, the people person at, at these companies, break it down. Right, yeah. So <laughs> I just gotta say, companies can have problems culturally with creating a safe place or inclusive place for people of color or black people more specifically, but you can only expect a company to correct for so much that is happening in the larger society. Like you can't, so every company employs people who are racist because this is America and they're not employing people outside. They're not creating this, this bubble that is detached from the sensibilities of American society and the shortcomings of American society. So it's just going to manifest inside companies as well as it, manif it manifests in the larger country. So I just feel it's, we can hold, I think we can hold people accountable at companies, but I just I'm just not surprised at all that so and so and that is that you can say to a company it starts from the top down and you gotta police uh, norms and and that, is that but it's like you can only do so much because these people don't live in the company they live in this world in this in this country in these in these states in these cities and it's going to bleed in, into the workplace like I don't I don't I don't understand how people get surprised about that stuff. Do you okay? You mentioned top down like we actually had a discussion about this at dinner like two nights ago. Um, with family and like the whole thing with like Bezos, that's his name, with Amazon or whatever. Um, Jeff Bezos, Bezos, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. Am I okay, whatever. I'll Bezos, like, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I tread lightly because I do still order off of Amazon. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, I do, it's really convenient. Just got a book delivered today. I'm sorry, I know I am a man of the people, but whatever. <laughs> anyway, someone said, someone said that same sentiment that it starts from the top down. Like, how do you really feel about that? Like, in, in the case of Ellen, like, as someone who is the voice of life, like. Her image, mm. she is at the top of that. So is that an excusable argument? Like she got people like yeah. I don't know. I I I think that's I, yeah. I, I don't know. That... It's hard. It's hard for me because she is responsible for creating that culture. And if right. she got some bozos saying shit like that on her team, 
God, it is hard. It's a hard thing. I like I don't want to get it like yeah. I think for I think that's that's a that's a good point. It it starts from the top down inside an organization. The CEO, the C suite, the leadership creates company values and hold people accountable for certain behavior. That's how you curve those things and, and do your best to create an open and inclusive culture and, and environment. But I feel you on Ellen's Ellen specifically. She should be, you know, because of who she is, should be accommodating to an inclusive environment. But I would be shocked if Ellen company created an environment of like homophobia, right? But I'm not shocked that there's racism and because Ellen is just not, she's this white white gay privileged woman. woman that people forget. Yeah. So racism in her company is just not surprising at all. And I, I you know, I just in, in that way I, I think about it, Courtney. I mean that makes sense, Ed. It's like we talk about this a lot, like with all the different intersections, most people are like only really up on like one at best. <laughs> right. And the whole and people of color and like all black and brown, like Miss me with all of that shit. If you want to get into that, we can get into that too. But I just, Ooh. that whole thing, maybe we need to make that a separate episode, but there are things, there are specificities in terms of certain groups and their histories that you can't just throw all in the same bag. Like it's bullshit and it's lazy. And it's, well, you want to, you know, this should be, you know, you're a person of color. You should know this. Like, no, no. Do you do you like do you have any understanding of how things work in this country and how do you feel about how about the BIPOC? You feel oh yeah, I just learned about that that weird acronym Black Indigenous People of Color. Is yeah. that is that is that kind yeah. of meant to address what I just said? Basically? It's meant to address it to basically pull out the Black and Indigenous experience apart from POC. Even Black and Indigenous, those are different too. You know, those are different. Well, they're not supposed so to think, be. To, they're yeah. not supposed to be lumped. It's kind of like I don't know. I guess they're trying to almost like LGBTQIA. Right. And court and, and Courtney, I would, you know Is there a plus in there? <laughs> there is a plus. a plus, Michael, and I was looking at you sideways. Is there is a plus in there? Exactly. And I would, and, and I would wonder, you know <laughs> I was looking, I'm like, I'm like, did I miss a letter? <laughs> but I'm yeah, proud of wait. you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> exactly. But and, and I would wonder, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a part of that group, but I but I would wonder, do folks feel like they're lumped together with with, with LGBTQ um plus? Listen, like within the community, people try to separate themselves. And yeah. it's hard for me to understand that because I'm not one of those people. Like a lot of, tra I'm very interested in a lot of trans rights because I think as someone part of the Black experience as well as the gay experience, mm -hmm. like I know what it's like to be oppressed in both of those arenas. It baffles me how black people how like all these other subcategories will then have a judgment on being gay or what like you should know how it feels yeah. like there is no like women's rights for instance i don't know what it's like to be a woman i don't but i know the oppression and i have so much empathy for women and women's rights i just don't understand why people aren't I don't know, like me. I mean, that's all I can say. I don't know why people aren't like me, guys. I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you, well, you know, not to belabor this, because I think we should definitely move on to the next thing. But the last thing I would say about this is, I think it's, there's a larger conversation about intersectionality. And I think people forget or just don't know about groups that have been oppressed in America, have been able to historically lessen their oppression by differentiating themselves from other oppressed groups, right? It's it's almost like this other group's oppression kind of betters my position in my oppressed group. And those dynamics have always been there and have always complicated things in American history. You know, those are kinds of power positions in the hierarchy that is just true. You know, Asians, Latinos, sort of arguing and making sure legally, socially, civically that they're not black has bettered their position in this country. So I, you know, that's a longer thing that, that we probably shouldn't go into right now, but that is just a lot of complications there. So I can understand why groups you would assume, well, you're oppressed, you know, why can't we, how, why can we not see eye to eye here? You know, I can understand how that, that's complicated. And sometimes you can't see eye to eye with, with other oppressed groups. Come on, Professor Eddie, you better drop a gym for him. <laughs> let the people know. <laughs> let them know. <laughs> oh man, well, no segue into this one, no clean one, but we're, we're just going Drunk. straight into Will and Jada and some entanglements. Entanglement. That's <laughs> disgusting. That, that, that word is forever it. just 
I, I actually didn't. I didn't see the red table talk. I just saw the little clips. Michael, how dare you? I'm, you I'm sorry. Okay, so I saw it twice. I saw it right before <laughs> this because I wanted to be fresh. Because okay, one thing. Let me say this: Jada needs to make T-shirts about entanglement because I didn't. She needs to trademark it, right? She needs to trademark it and get her coins. Like she created yeah. it. Let's get her coins before somebody else do it. Jada, if you're <laughs> listening, do that. Make hat shirts. Do it all. I would buy something. It was kind of <laughs> genius. Um, I lo- did you watch it, Eddie? I um oh shit! I, saw, I mostly <laughs> saw the, I mostly saw the clips, but I didn't I see just, the whole thing. How but... this gonna be a topic? And y'all, oh, okay. Go, well, go. I, well, I wanted to I wanted to ask Courtney. I know you you've seen it. There is, and some people, well, the, the sort of the two of them in there, and they're speaking out, and 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 they're bringing all of this public, right? Because you think about, I don't know if. I wonder the dynamic in terms of when this began. I don't even know how long Red Table Red Table Talk has been around. Yeah, so it's been I, like two I, years, year and a half. Yeah, two but years. probably about like a over a year or so. And and basically the the premise is that she brings people in controversial situations to right. off the top of my head, um, Jordan. What's the one that was? Jordan, yeah, she brought Jordan Woods. Woods Jordan yes, Woods yes. brought her on right after the whole the whole thing or whatever, yeah, and then yeah, yeah. he brought Ti on about the Hyman thing with his daughter, or whatever. So she right. brings on these controversial. She brought on Snoop Dogg, I think, with the whole thing with Gail. So she brings on these controversial topics. Let me just introduce this topic there. So August <laughs> August did a did a um, interview, and somehow it came out that he was in, as she says, an entanglement with him with her. And basically, Twitter went crazy. Some statements were released. Jada at the top of her her segment, the the segment's only like twelve to fourteen minutes, so it's not that long. Within the conversation, they discuss, she discusses like what happened. Basically, August was going through some things, but it was like health stuff that Jada like helped him through. During this time, she was on a separation with Will Smith. I think the Red Table Talk is amazing. I, <laughs> so when in Taylor, Courtney, it's usually her mom and Willow, her daughter, are usually yes. on as well. Were they yes. on this one? No. So, no. <laughs> So, no. alleged, so, so so this is how they framed it. Jada brought herself to the red table. So apparently she brings people to the red table. So she yeah. brought herself to the red table. So it was her and Will. And they have this discussion. And she talks about, like, what happened and the relationship. And I will say, and some of your listeners might want to fight me after this, I thought it was the most... I still have relationship goals for that because basically what happened, they were in a separation. She was creeping with August. They had a whole entanglement uh, relationship, whatever you want to call it. And she ended up getting back with Will. August shut her down, was like, no, I'm not about that life. And then years later, he brings it out. So then they had to address it. I think it's a story of forgiveness, to be honest with you. Like I come from a family that my parents divorced when they were like, when I was five or six. And I remember, it was hard. Like when people have things, infidelity and things that happen in a relationship, it's just like mean, it can get nasty. And it was a beautiful conversation that two people are having who are married about her extramarital affairs because she wasn't divorced. And it was beautiful. It was about forgiveness. I was all about it. I think you guys should watch it. I'm sorry. So yeah. was it, was it a, a, I want to, I want to just uh, draw maybe a comparison, maybe maybe with sort of a Jay and, and Beyonce kind of thing going on with that whole, like when you talk hey, about our, you know, our hero relationship goals, like people, I hey, think that's, that's, it's on that kind of magnitude, I think, right? Kinda, like as much as I am down with the beehive, I love a Beyonce, she did her creatively. So, oh, and mm-hmm. he did, he did go on a show and he discussed it too. Yes, very similar to that where, very similar to that relationship goes in that way because I think in, in normal relationship the thing I take from it and going back to Michael's point at the top of the show the thing to pull out of that convo that they did um, on the red table talk is like forgiveness and like relationships are tricky and hard and like don't let people come into it and try to mess it up you know what you have deal with it and keep I it mean within. To, to be like not there's like the more like mature way to look at this but like the more like fun conspiracy, it's like for the longest time, everyone said they've had an open relationship, one. And two, everyone's always thrown around that like Will and Diddy, mind you, are like at a minimum bisexual and just out there doing their thing. 
So, I mean, well, I've heard that. That, that's why this thing erupted on Twitter. <laughs> Everyone was like, we, we know we have been out there doing Corny this just thing. took a sip of his tea. He listen. did a sideways Kermit yeah. meme. You couldn't even see it, but listen, he just did a Kermit <laughs> meme, sipping the tea sideways while, you know, while Alfar was talking all that shit. Without going into that, yes, a lot of people have said they've been in an open relationship. However, what's beautiful about it is that a man is sitting down with his wife who was with a whole other man and they're sitting down, they're making jokes out of it. The last joke is pretty cringeworthy, but um, they're making jokes out of it. They're like able to like talk about it in a very forgiving way. And I think it's kind of beautiful. Like, cause shit like that really happens. Like sometimes shit happens when guys begin other girls pregnant and like all you have to, shit happens and I, I rock with them because of it. Nah, they're, they're definitely, I mean, at a bare minimum, I think we were, we're talking about this too, is regardless of what their contract is behind closed doors or whatever, whatever it is, so often the situation has been, the, the kind of situation, by the way, that like people threw like jabs at Will after, right? Like you had clowns like Michael Blackson and 50 texting him, being, being like, how are you going to just let like Jada get her back blown out, right? Like just saying crazy <laughs> stuff like that. But that's always been the thing, right? It, sex has to be done in this like totally domineering way. And it's like, mm. there's like a, a winner and a loser. And it's like, they're like mature adults. They lived their life, they weren't together. Will or Jada went out and had a, a sexual relationship. That men like, do all the damn time. That, that, that men do all the time. And so- Right. Well, let's talk about the double standards. Yeah, because yeah. Because there's, there's that going one. going against that, yeah. But then also I heard, I don't know if there was this commentary after the fact, but my friend was talking about how everybody was just so fixated about the age difference between Jada mm-hmm. and, right. and, and yes. you know, the, the young boy. So that came up, not the young boy, though. Not the, you sounded real. <laughs> not the young boy. <laughs> not the young boy. Come on, how old is he? It's probably like 28. I don't know, I'm messing around. Wait, how, what is he the age, was, actual age difference? I think he was between 21 and 23, and I didn't know that was the big age gap. I don't know oh, that much that, about August. That, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the culture. Me I don't neither. Know he's he's 27, so he was probably 25, 24 then. Yeah. No, he okay. was like 23, I think. Okay. But you might be right. I don't know. It was years ago, though. So between like 21 and 24, 25. And, and Jada was in her 40s, at the like mid-40s. And like that came up at the dinner table like probably five nights ago. And we was like, dude's been doing that for decades. Other women been doing that for decades. Like that's not even, they grown as people. Like she wasn't messing mm-hmm. with a 17-year-old. Like, right. yeah, that's such a double standard. Like Definitely. You know what I just thought about? Yo, you know what this made me just think about? Is that, did y'all both see the movie Girls Trip? Yeah. I did not. In, oh, Courtney. Oh, Courtney. Well, okay, maybe this won't work then. But far, hear me out. I'm listening. Isn't part of the plot that Jada in that movie goes for a younger man in the movie? And she oh. the like isn't she the like the wound up tight? She's pretty like exactly. Yeah, she's pretty like square. <laughs> is yeah. this not is was that not art imitating real life or, or is this wow. real life imitating art? Like what's going on here? Professor <laughs> Ed is coming with it today. Damn. He's not coming to play I with just y'all. remembered that. Damn. <laughs> wow. Hey, that's real. Yeah. Well, let's let let's keep it moving because I mean, God, I so much insane shit happened. We, um, for those who follow us on Instagram, you saw we made a little post about Farrakhan, which was obviously we were tying back to Nick Cannon, but it didn't even start with Nick Cannon. The whole week kind of started actually probably with like Deshaun Jackson putting up some quote from like a Hitler thing, but, but we're all the, and then like, I guess Nick Cannon on his podcast brought on like someone who's known to be pretty anti-Semitic. And what we talked about though, a little bit with it was just this failure to sometimes not fully separate all the ideas between black nationalism and some of the good stuff, but then some confusion against like those who are white, which is like, even though the Jewish experience is different than some of the white experience, there's still things that come together and that general cultural confusion. But to me, that's like where that played out. And it was, it was funny to me because it was like, I told Ed this, like someone we know on like Facebook was like, Mike, what are you, what are you, what are you doing about this with breakout? And I was like, wait, now I, I speak for all, what, like I'm supposed to now go police this to protect, I, like, <laughs> these things get all weird. Like people say dumb shit representing all people and all races every single day, you know, 
I don't, I don't think that necessarily the move is to start like stamping out everyone, but I will say that Farrakhan, to me, like the conversation isn't even really Nick. It's, it's really Farrakhan. Like, mm-hmm. Farrakhan has been the one that's been problematic. He's the one calling Jewish people termites. Like that Ooh. shit is full stop terrible. Die. And, but the problem mm-hmm. is, you know, there is important stuff out of the nation is, of Islam, especially in our history, especially with the black nationalist movement, that if you're not reading all of it and you're seeing some of it, you're like, if you're black in America, I have to imagine you'd be like, why well, rock with like general principles of that? And like, I think sometimes people aren't always up to date on all the things being said. Not to say that some some might just be riding along with it and, and maybe like, fuck it, down with all we white people with it or the Jewish people with it. But I really think there's a broader confusion with Farrakhan and I'm not really even mm-hmm. losing sleep with Nick. I, I just like, I think that's such a like side story to this yeah. bigger story. Do, do either one of you know exactly what he said? Like, so I read it today because I, like, I only know the part where Diddy tried to offer him a job with Revolt or blah, 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 after he got released and whatever. What was actually said on the podcast? Because I do think we as Black people do not attack me Black people. Sometimes we (laughs) will have a double standard on the things that we are allowed to say. And if he was indeed disrespectful to the Jewish community, he should suffer the consequences. Like, I, like I, I don't think... In this cancel culture, I don't think it would be fair because of everything that's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and just like all the bigger movements. I don't think you can give Black people a pass and just like let them get away with just saying reckless shit. So do either one of you know what reckless... He said something about they, like I read about it, but you know, things don't have an impact when you read them in publication. So was it that out of line? Well, to Farb's point, the guest that uh, Nick Cannon brought on was Professor Griff who used to be part of Public Enemy, who Mm. was fired in 1989 for anti-Semitic remarks. I think he said, quote unquote, Jews are responsible for the majority of the wickedness in the world, end quote. You know, so you're already bringing somebody on that is a part of this this legacy. So Nick Cannon is, is, I think he's indulging in his guest or whatever. And ultimately he said, so this is just a snippet from from uh, I think I just I just got variety up in front of me. He said it's never it's never hate speech. You can't be anti-Semitic when we are the Semitic people. When we are the same people who they want to be. That's our birthright. We are the true Hebrews. End quote. So that's what he said. You know, he it was a longer thing that he was saying, and I watched a little bit of the clip, and he was just like he was trying to caveat it throughout throughout. He was like. And I don't want to get in trouble for this. And then he got in trouble for it, right? But he's, And he said it anyway. And then he praised Louis Farrakhan. But I think that this is obviously high emotional, tense time where if you're going to go out on the limb and say these things, you could get backlash for them. So everybody piled on Nick Cannon and Deshaun Jackson, rightfully so. But to Farb's point, I agree. It's it's not, these guys are not singular or or sort of a small group in that they have some weird complex with Jewish people. That's not actually what's going on. It is the larger Nation of Islam Farrakhan thing that uh, where anti-Semitism was part and parcel of that larger movement, which is a smaller faction within the larger black nationalist movement. So we have to kind of, we have to look at it in that way. And Farrakhan, I mean, my thing about Farrakhan is, and I, the, the height of his popularity was definitely 1995's Million Man March. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was for men. It was, it was clearly like misogynistic. It was for men, you know, yeah. the, 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 you know, the owners and, and, and the, of the household and the, the people that get all of the things. It, it was this larger movement around because it's coming off of the crack epidemic of the eighties into the nineties. Hip hop is tying in with black nationalism and we're in the, crime is going up. We're in a bad space. You know, Reagan's Reagan's war on drugs, you know, Bill Clinton will be in office soon. These industrial centers in Northern America are in bad spots, like deindustrialization. People are suffering and they're looking for something. And Farrakhan kind of rises up as a part of something that, you know, gave us Malcolm X that already had legitimacy. But Farrakhan comes up in those ranks and he sort of rides that coattail to bring us this national movement for unity and dignity and self-reliance and rising up out of to, to rise up out of these kind of troubled neighborhoods and, and move Black people forward. And that's what 95 is. But with Farrakhan, you get all of these 
trappings that buttress his message with our anti-Semitic, misogynistic, homophobic, all of these things, right? It's a very patriarchal thing. So people, they fucked with him. They, they you know, they, they ride with his mission. They gave people a lot of, you know, hope within that. And they compartmentalize those other things that were bad, which people do all of the time, which, which is not as excusable, but I think is, is not unique to Black people with Farrakhan. Yeah, I don't really rock, rock with Farrakhan for those same sentiments that you just said, because yeah. some of what he does is homophobic. And like, how I vote, how I rock with people, it's like, I'm a Black gay man. And like, if you don't rock with both of those things, like, I just have nothing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, to close out my thoughts on it, although I haven't heard of it, like, Nick should have been smarter about who he was bringing on in the conversation and how he was going to drive the conversation. I'm sure he knew that some of his guests' thoughts and comments were controversial and problematic, so he should address it in a way and really... Right not allowed it to go on because like you have a responsibility when you do i'm all for someone with a show or a platform bringing on someone with an opposing side but what you have to do for yourself and like your heart wherever you stand in it if you feel differently you need to voice it on it and clearly communicate where you stand on it and i think and i'm just uh, like i'm just guessing I, i don't think maybe nick did a great job of expressing himself I don't give him a pass on it. Like, so I'm not, I'm not yeah. team Nick Cannon. Get him a job. Now nah, he good. He all right. Yeah. yeah. He good. He no, good. I mean, Go to and, revolt. And, like, did he put you, <laughs> gave you an offer? Go to revolt. Do your thing. Did, like, did he give you a trash good. contract? Like, you'll, you'll make two cents. Like, yeah, get the fuck out of here. Like, I love how Diddy's like, we got to protect our own, even though I've never given a single person a good contract in my life. It, it, it's, Come it's on, like Michael. such. It's you better do it for the culture. Shit. You better get the rappers. <laughs> I mean, Diddy yeah, just wow, like, let's I, get I, it. I, I appreciate Diddy a lot of things, but when it comes to those contracts and just, I mean, like, just, just be, you and Jay are capitalists and you do good stuff on the side, but it's like that same thing. It's like, it's like the winner takes all book. It's like, yeah. you can't, you can't just want to make all the money in the world and then give scraps on the side and say like, you're good. That's just not how this works. And like, they are very much of that mentality. Let them know, let them know, Mr. Equity. Let them know. Anyway. <laughs> well, let's, uh, you know, let's let's get to one of the, at least, I don't know how much we can really add to this story, but I feel like we just have to at least bring it up. This Epstein and Ghislaine Ooh. Maxwell thing. It just, it keeps getting crazier and crazier. Now the judge who was just only a few, I think like a week or so ago, was appointed to oversee the part with some of uh, the accounts, I guess like $150 billion worth of stuff with Deutsche Bank. She was shot, and I'm sorry, she was not shot. Her son was shot and killed, and her husband was shot and injured yesterday by a men's rights lawyer. He's one of these dipshits who like sues women's groups because like he, feel, like he feels excluded. And they don't know, and, he, and then he committed suicide, so he's dead. But anyway, it's just like weirder and weirder. It's like everything that touches this case just gets really weird. Did either of you see uh, the Netflix special or any of the stuff? Have you guys I sure that? did. I sure did. I sure yeah. did. It, I watched it over two days. It was the most crazy thing I've ever seen. And it goes back to something that we said earlier. It's crazy. In addition to, and they actually make this comment in the um, documentary, celebrity and money is what you mm. need to get into any fucking circle right and they they say it in terms of money they say if you have enough money you can get into any circle and that's basically what epstein was like epstein was a fucking liar and a fucking clown and a crook from like day one like he lied about being a teacher yeah he lied about his his education well he was a teacher in new york city i think at dalton which is like a top like high school prep school but then like from there he got the other job you know and and but every job was a lie right like or his credentials were alive for every single one. It was the privilege, no shade to you, Michael. It was the privilege of a like a white man and and contacts. And it was crazy. I was like floored at the like a lot of people that I know it was like, I can't even watch it because like it was dealing with underage girl. It's just like terrible. But right. what's her name? The who just went to jet? What's her name? I think I think it's pronounced Ghislaine. Um, Ghislaine Maxwell, Maxwell? Yeah. yeah, she needs to be put under the prison. Like her and everyone that was affiliated with it, like all of them need to be like they were trafficking. Like it was 
insane. Have either mm-hmm. one of you watched the documentary? I, I watched it. I've watched it, and, I, and I've, re- I've been, re- honestly, I started reading about Homeboy like 10 years ago, randomly read an article, and then I was like, why isn't this like a bigger deal? And I, I was just really intrigued, because I was like, I remember reading business articles, you know, the guy who ran The Limited, whose name's blanking right now, just being like the most ruthless business owner. And then I'm like, he like bequeathed the $55 million freaking townhouse for free to this guy? Like, h- how much dirty video does he have on him? I, I will say my-, my biggest thing, though, is like, there's always, I find every time this conversation comes up, especially if it's like, depending on who's in the room, if it's like, let's just say, like, someone's more conservative, they want to, like, jump to, like, Bill Clinton definitely being guilty and blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh, the, and what like, the, the what about ism. Yeah, and it, it, first of all, what about I, I just, this? What about and it's that? almost like they want to get you as like a dam is like I'm like I don't care who it was. Everyone can go down. Everyone can fry on this. Like I want it's, everybody. No, one, I, no one's defending anyone. Damn, on this. you know who I rock with the most? I don't know whoever saw it. Who I rock with the most is the little the little tech guy who was on his little private island. So the man yeah. Epstein had this private yeah, island. Yeah, yeah. And in the documentary, there's this, like, tech guy who, I guess, did all the Wi-Fi and stuff like that. I know I might sound ignorant, but whatever. Um, He did, like, all of that stuff. And (laughs) he saw all the underage girls. And one of his friends or associates said something about his daughters, because he had, like, daughters of his own. And he put it in perspective, and that man quit the next day. I'm not for, if Bill Clinton was on the flights and he was with the girl, lock him up too. Lock everybody up that was affiliated, lock them all up. Like, lock I mean, them up if you can prove it. Like, lock their ass up because that was you go. Nah. You go there like, like one time, that's one thing. But like, look, if Billy was with them like 20 sometimes. What's the little, what's the little There's no excuses on man? that. What's the little royalty man from the UK? What's his name? Uh, Prince Andrew. Oh, he's a scumbag. Lock him up. He needs to be the first one locked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep her locked up. Lock him up and lock everybody else up. Like, I, I didn't his daughter Lord, just get married? I'm sorry. Was that yeah, Prince Andrew's daughter? In a secret wedding because yeah. he trifling, so they had to do a secret <laughs> wedding because they knew. <laughs> Stop all the bullshit. Like, lock all of them up. <laughs> These were young girls, like, and the thing, uh, this, this is the shit that like just pisses me off with America, with celebrity and money. We just excuse shit because we think money and like power and like celebrity makes you untouchable. No, lock them up, lock them all up. Lock you know what? The, the the one thing about this case, which is interesting, is like it is like the the case that's like so crazy that it's actually like if someone had made like a like a film about this, you'd be like, nah, this isn't real. There's like too much here. But in this in this world right now we're living in where every fucking idiot believes a conspiracy, I just want this one at least to be aired out so we can at least like understand what's the truth. Because it's like every other day I have someone telling me 5G radio waves or like giving people corona and, you know, I don't know, just, just dumb ass stuff. But unfortunately, this is the conspiracy that actually is real. You know what the craziest... Thing. I saw the first the first episode. It's a miniseries, right? So what, there's four episodes or something? Yeah, it's like four or five, five. episodes, yeah. Come on, man. Right. Come on, miniseries. You are uncle. I, like, you're a real... <laughs> you're a real... Come on, miniseries. Actually, it's just a, it's a, it's just a docu-series on Netflix. Come on. <laughs> Come on right, uncle well, Professor gonna... Eddie. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get through it. But I think the, you know, one of the most poignant Parts of it is Delane being a woman who's the head trafficker for this crazy trafficker, uh, groomer, you know, misogynistic thing, right? She wasn't the only one either. There were other models and bitches and the FBI that was working with them, like, made a deal with all these, like, beautiful women who were models in here. I'm sorry. So they're enrolled in this thing that's harming, violently harming young women. And there's women underage that are women. Uh, underage women who, underage girls who, who yep. and there's women who are part of it and at the very top of it, enrolled in it. You know, so you, you can't just point at a person who is a member of the group that's being oppressed and, and always say that they're not enrolled in that oppression in some way. They're not complicit somehow. Like that is always the case for every group. You know, so I think that, you know, that is a poignant part of it for me. Court, I, I got a question for you. Uh-oh. What media do you watched or do you read that you feel like is trustworthy when you see things like this coming out um this is hard to say because i think all media media is a business right 
Yep. Mm -hmm. Big media, right? So the big media that you're probably referring to are all, they need money and like clicks or whatever. I would say the New York Times is where I really find on that level. New York Times is something that I trust. But I also, I think what's really wrong with our world today is that we, I don't know what people were doing when they were taking the SATs, but I feel like people don't know what it is to have their own critical thinking skills to decipher what is clickbait, what is real, what is not. Like, okay, so you said the New York Times. Do you think that like the general papers in general, like LA Times, the Herald, the Trib, the Washington Post, like when you're reading non-opinion section stuff, Right. You find that those are generally trustworthy. And when you're watching, let's say, even like the nightly news, if you ever, like I never watched, but if it were to be on, and it's not like, yeah, like, like, because to me, I'm just curious of like, do you think that that's also still in the click worthiness that they're blurred? Do you think it's like an opinionated part of it? Or do you think the whole tree is corrupted at this point? I think the whole tree is corrupted, to be completely honest with you. Like, But I think it's all, it is all that way because people are running it. Like you can't be, it's so hard when it comes to media because you're dealing with people and people will have their opinions and they will sway it whatever way they see or they feel strongly about. Like the New York Times, I think, I personally think they do a great job of being balanced. Like I told you guys earlier before we started recording, I listened to the daily on a daily basis. And mm-hmm. I think they do a great job with even bringing the opposing team, like the oppo- whatever views they may think, they still bring on the opposing team or whatever, and they have a conversation about it, right? I do think everyone is kind of corrupt in the media, though. I do. I, I, on both sides, I, I really, really do. I think where I get frustrated in this conversation is in just general, not like the one immediate one we're having is I definitely understand that the general media landscape has changed. The way dollars work has changed definitely. But I think that the complicated part right now is we have skewed with such an insane political establishment that like just the traditional <laughs> writers who try to be as like fair and balanced as they can more often than not because of like the way they're, they're educated are more progressive. It's a more open like mindset of thinking. And it's kind of hard to be like 100% super impartial. That being said, when people are doing like journalistic pieces, I don't think any of their, like in any of the major newspapers, I don't think maybe the assignments they are given might lean in a certain little way, but when they write it up, it is factual pieces to the best of their ability within fact checking. And I guess I get a little bummed out when I always hear people like mainstream media, mainstream media, it's all the same, this and that. I'm like, these are the smartest people we have in society or like many of which who've like tried to be re- they're like the best writers. They're like, literally, this is their craft. They are not doing this. They don't make shit for money unless like they randomly become a Twitter talking head. But like most, that's not like the majority of writers, right? They're making like, 80 to 150 living in big cities, which then is not really that much money. And like, I don't know, I think we've just polluted the well so hard because the TV stations that people watch are mainly opinionated talk news. So people's like, I think what they keep feeling is like, yes, if you turn on MSNBC or you turn on Fox or you turn on CNN, at this point in time, you're getting a fair amount of news, but you're really getting strong opinion. But all of this like bleeds into everything I think we talk about. And it's really unfortunate because I don't think, I personally don't think that like the mainstream media is like any worse than it's been within like variants of degrees. And when I think talking about mainstream media, I'm not talking about the nightly news. I'm talking about like the newspapers. Like I'm talking about like real journalism, but I just think it, the loudness of the era we're in of like talk TV is what like just clouds everyone's thought process. Is what needs to happen. Come on, Professor so. Eddie, let him know <laughs> what needs to happen. What needs to happen? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, well, honestly, I like the Times. I like you know the Atlantic is is usually more longer form journalism and it's more like evergreen content, which means it's, you know they do. But you know, as people are stuff. reading the Atlantic outside of like no, just they're like not nerds like us. No, they're not. They're but not. and then you can talk about NPR or PBS kind of information and, and sort of reporting. And NPR is a nonprofit, right? And it and it is it is publicly funded. It is not driven by advertising dollars. I think 
in this capitalistic society in your media company and a lot of your editorial is opinionated or it's news or that kind of stuff you know you bear the brunt of needing to make money in advertising and that skews a lot of things depending on who owns you and all of that stuff i think and i think listen i think opinionated editorial can, can do whatever it's one and when we talk about just news the dissemination of information that is pertinent to what's going on in this country whether it be politics or whatever that needs to be a public good funded by tax dollars. That needs to be a government institution that employs writers that don't have to worry about sensationalizing things, clickbaiting things or views, or you know, if it's trending on chart beat or none of that shit, they should just be able to do journalism and report on things as a public good. And it should be treated and funded as such rather than um, for-profit editorial. So I think you can have for-profit editorial for sure. But if you want to talk about news, like you said, Farb, you know, non-opinionated stuff, there, I think there needs to be, a, it needs to be as a part of the government. It should be a right to get untainted and correct news. Professor Eddie, I think it's hard to do that when you're dealing with people, though, because I think people will have, as much as I agree with that wholeheartedly, I think that's perfect in what you said. I think you still deal with people and like there are very few reporters who can like try to keep it as objective as possible and really see both sides. Um, you really gotta be like well, a strong, go ahead. Yeah, go sorry to interrupt you, but that's a no. good point. I think that you talk about the Atlantic, the Atlantic has this sort of fierce, there's a huge department in the Atlantic that is just the fact checking department. I think if you're, whatever your thing is, and I, you know, if news or there was a publication that was funded by government that was not for profit, that was paid through tax dollars. It's not that there can't be opinionated things. I think individuals will always bring their opinions and their, and, you know, and their personal history and, and uh, social background into it. But it has to go through a sort of government-backed, thorough fact-checking thing. And then, if it does, then yeah, you can you can paint it and make an argument however you want. But at least it stands on on some actual facts that are proven to to be real. And I think that those kind of standards, as as a government good, stand a better chance than than something for profit. I'm with everything you said. It's just I feel you though. You're skeptical. You're skeptical. It's Me too. hard because I I do think, and I'm I'm a person that I'm com extremely objective. For like, I enjoy a challenging conversation. Like, if someone disagrees with me, I want to hear why they disagree with me, and then I'll decide whether or not it's bullshit or not. Right, and I'll mm -hmm. leave that conversation thinking like, okay, they was right on this, on this, and blah blah blah. But I think most people don't think on those lines. Like when people who. I, I've experienced a, a lot of people, as much as I am anti-Trump, to like I'm very anti-Trump, right? But I sometimes be like, you can't argue with other people that are anti-Trump. You arguing on some shit that like it's not even factual. Like, what are you mm -hmm. talking? It's so subjective, <laughs> and I think in the bigger scheme of things, like people have to know how to be objective. I don't think a lot of people know how to be extremely objective to see the other side like when you have a debate you gotta like debate on facts and i just think that we live in a in a culture going back to like the original topic like people don't be arguing on fact like people will argue on opinion and like all this other shit and yeah i feel uh, you i think there's a lot there's a larger conversation there that i'd love to have that we probably can't fit in for this episode just about knowledge production and how people where how people get their information get their knowledge, how they well, see, use it, and to, and to what ends, I think exactly. is a really interesting uh, conversation. It, it, for me, it goes back to critical thinking and like people just not knowing how to make their own decision. Like there are people out here that are rocking with everything Beyonce says, as much as I love Beyonce, <laughs> Beyonce is not influencing my political, she ain't, nothing, a song, a film, anything that she's doing is not influencing how I feel as a black gay man and who I'm voting for with those things, right? But there are some people in the world, these people who were at the Kanye West rally, like who was just like throw all that all that critical thinking aside and was just go like chance yeah. yeah like seriously like just because yeah. of who they are and like that's just not cool to me and i think that will lie even within media because people are people and like when it comes to even podcasts even the industry that i'm in that i do day to day people who like present themselves as experts that's so i'm always like because it's like 
we all learn and we're all human and we're going to be subjective in times. When I need to be completely objective, whether it be relationships or business or politics or whatever the case, like I, sometimes I have to step back. I'm like, okay, I need to be completely objective. And I think some people don't hold themselves accountable in that way. I was, I was going to say the, the one thing and I, I thought about with Ed's idea that we'll have to also talk about some other point, but there's been such a total erosion in respect for what it means to like work for the government and like, yeah, you know what the yeah. government is. If you if if you're someone today and you you walk into a bar, someone asks you, "What do you do?" and you're like, "I'm a writer for the New York Times." You're like, "Wow, amazing!" You know, yeah. you you reverse that and say, "Oh, I'm a I'm a writer for the governmental <laughs> writing bureau." <laughs> you can't even finish it. Yeah, you can. People tell you that people would turn around. You know, it's like there's like. In the way everything's set up right now, like no one has any respect. I mean, yes, if you're some super high-ranking officer at the State Department or something, people would be like, that's dope. But like, by and large, like we just don't have respect for government workers. And that's something, by the way, that both side, political parties have like contributed to as much as the Dems are supposed to be I the group of like backing that. it. I was just going to say real quickly, and I've been thinking about this ever since our conversation with our boy, Mike Ponticelli. And I think our aversion to having pride in government, wanting government to do things. There's always been that uh, that has existed in conservative circles, right? You talk about state rights, you talk about their objection to welfare state and affirmative, you know, and government intervention. That's always existed. But I think ever since after World War II in the Cold War, our aversion to communism, communism is the ultimate government, right? You can't do any isms except for capitalism except for capitalism, right? And then the opposite of that is capitalism, small government, small D democracy, market fundamentalism, capitalism, do it yourself, rugged individualism. Been, I think there's just been a decades long movement in culture away from government being anything respectable that you should rely on or be a part of necessarily. It is all the wild west of capitalism and entrepreneurship. And that is where all of the valor is not in government. I think that it's tied to that. And I need to, I need to read some more to really flesh that out. But ever since Ponticelli came on here and was, and was really harping on that vision, I was like, man, that's, that's really got me thinking. And I think what you said, Farb, is, is tied to that. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I think this a lot, and this, this will sound kind of like a joke and it, it, it can come up partially. And I feel like I've said it in jest in the past, but I almost think that the easiest way, and I'd say this is easy, but the fastest way to start like turning around people's feelings when it comes to this is the number one like thing that most people interact on a governmental level, which is the fucking DMV. If we could, <laughs> if we could actually get, pump some money into the DMV and show that we had a DMV that worked functionally for people and you didn't wait hours and it wasn't a disaster, people <laughs> actually might think that the government could do Listen. something. But unfortunately, most people's one thing that really interact with the government Listen. and government employees is the DMV. And we all know it's a hot garbage pile wherever you go. The post office, or the post office too. The post you. office is great, but people don't think about the post office in that way. They should, no. but they don't. Yeah, they hate the DMV. If that's a representative of government. Listen, like, as yeah. someone whose license expired like five years ago, because I've been in New York, <laughs> I was living in California before that. It expired. It was lost in a car. Like, I don't want to get into the details. The DMV is high key trash. I am in Montana <laughs> right now and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go get a Montana license because it's gonna be easy. I have avoided it for the past like two or three weeks. Like, you're, which is my point. Like, I don't even have that much faith in government at this point because you're still dealing with people and people still need jobs and people will lie i mean you know how fluff resumes are so like the people i'm trusting <laughs> the people i'm trusting with my life are going to say they are like fair or whatever meanwhile they got a whole ass like anti-gay agenda that they're doing they work for that like that's what i'm as much as it sounds great in theory because you want to think oh government is fair government looking out for me government ain't looking out for me like Government really ain't looking out for me and my needs and my my people and, and all in the LGBTQIA plus. You see how well, I caught that? But um, Courtney, <laughs> to, br to bring it back to the beginning, though, this is a top down thing, though. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm turning off my ring light. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I, look, I, I think we actually might be done with our topics. 
Ed, Ed looks like he's finished with his bourbon. Yeah. Come on, try Courtney. to put you out to be the alcoholic. I was drinking wine too, y'all. Set up for yourself. I put you on the liquor like for the episode. I'm so sorry that he put you out there like that. <laughs> no, it's good. It, it's my professor juice. It gets me all, you know, juiced up on some professor shit. So it's all good. Uh, all right, everyone. I, I think we're through, but this is uh, episode 30 in the books. Courtney, we appreciate you. Everyone, wow. go check out the Privy Podcast, and we'll be back. We're coming next back week. this fall. Let me just say, because if you go there, your last episode is going to be from June of t- last year. <laughs> Oh, word? Yeah, the uh, pandemic happened. I was yeah, coming right. out with a new season, pandemic, and it just wasn't right. I just felt a responsibility to, like, serve my people. And so the first episode of the new season, which will drop in September, is all about the Velvet Rage, which just came by Amazon. Oh, okay. It's so good. It's, like, oh. all about um, the gay experience in a straight world that y'all probably affect as two straight men. So whatever. I'm not going to hold it against y'all, but y'all, y'all contributed <laughs> sure. to this and these feelings. But um, yeah, that's the first episode dropping in September. But yeah, check it out then. Word. got to read that book. I'll probably order from Amazon too. So I, I feel you on that, Courtney. But... Lady Boo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I try to be better here and there. I try to be better, but listen, I can only do all that I can do. Like, I'm not that wealthy like Jada and them. Like, I just can't <laughs> live my life. This got to be convenient, and it got to be kind of cheap. Like, I'm not a ball over here, okay? Oh, my God. Hell I yeah. love it. All right, yeah. so everyone, you, you can still check out past episodes, but you see the privies coming back in September. All right, everyone, episode 30 in the books. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Peace.